0: Thanks Kay. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. How are we all? Well, that's good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we look at your word now, we pray for attentive hearts, attentive ears and, and, and eyes to see the glory of, of you in this passage. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me, and that you would e- e- teach each one of us this morning, transform our hearts, and and to to hear from from you. Lord, I just pray your blessing over this time. Amen. Well, it's not long before Christmas, is it? Um, before I begin, there's an outline in the in the bulletin, um, so if you want to follow along you can it's not long before Christmas is it who's excited who's thinking I hate December because every sermon starts with not long before Christmas (laughs) have you ever expected a really good Christmas present boys have you ever expected a a playstation or an xbox or a, a huge lego set or something like that and you end up with something like deodorant or or socks girls have you ever expected shopkins or i, I should know what girl toys are shouldn't i <laughs> or you end up with and you end up with with something like soap boring presents sometimes Christmas can come with, with such a great expectation attached to it, can't it? Christmas gifts can can come and and we can expect a really good gift, but, but we don't exactly get what we want. And, and in return we, we feel a, 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 great, a great sense of, of disappointment. In the build-up to the very first Christmas, which we read about this morning, John's birth... There was a great deal of expectation, great deal of anticipation attached to it, but there was not a hint of disappointment, not an ounce of disappointment. Zechariah and Elizabeth are expecting their very first child. They had been waiting for this child for, for a very, very long time. They're expecting the child that would come and and would be their child. Now, as David told us already this morning, Elizabeth is in her old age. She's past the time of childbirth. And Zechariah is probably not a spring chicken either. So they'd been waiting a very long time. And in the early parts of chapter 1, we see that Zechariah, while he was serving in the temple was told that he would have a son, that his wife would become pregnant and that he was to name that child John and that that child would pave the way for the Lord. But because Zechariah questioned the possibility of this, he was told to be quiet, like literally told to be quiet by the angel. He was told that he wouldn't be able to speak until all of this had taken place. Gentlemen, if there's ever a time when you don't want to be shushed by an angel or don't want to be made mute by God, it would be while your wife is pregnant, wouldn't it? (laughs) Rochelle and Janine, there's an understory to that 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 they might tell you. But Zechariah and Elizabeth are expecting this child. They're, They're excited about the birth of this child and that he would pave the way for the promised Messiah. In verse 76, we see that John addresses his child and he says, And you, child, will be called prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. There's an excitement there in those words, isn't it? And even their neighbours had gathered around them because there was an excitement in the air. And all of Israel were expecting the birth of, of not just this child, but the birth of the child that was going to be the Messiah. And they were expecting this child, this Messiah, to to restore Israel to its former glory. And in the same way, we sometimes get expectant about, about Christmas, don't we? We have songs that announce the arrival, usually in November, the arrival of Christmas, Christmas carols. But there's an air of excitement in the air during December, November, in the build-up to Christmas. Everyone loves this this time of year. Our Israelites would have been excited about the birth of the Messiah. They would have been excited about about the birth of the the one that was going to to pave the way. There would have been talk around the town square and and around the the worship centres of when do you think the Messiah is coming? When do you think prophecy will be fulfilled? They were expecting God to come and visit them personally and redeem them. They were expecting God to come and visit them and redeem them. But they'd been waiting a very, very long time. They'd been waiting for, for God to come and, and visit them and redeem them. But Zechariah and Elizabeth had been waiting for, for quite a while for the birth of their first child. But Israel had been waiting for quite a while for the birth of this Messiah. And as David's already already mentioned this morning, there was prophecy that that was from eight hundred years prior. There was also promises given to Abraham that Zechariah mentions that were roughly about a thousand years prior. But there was a time of four hundred years between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Where God was simply silent, there was no prophets, no visits from angels, there was nothing. And so they'd been waiting for a long time. But Galatians four, four and five tells us that at exactly the right time, at the fullness of time, God at the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were born under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Even though Israel and and Zechariah and Elizabeth and Mary had been waiting such a long time, this came at, at the perfect time, at exactly the right time Christ was born. Do you ever get impatient with God sometimes? When you wait for God to do something. When you wait for God to act. And you're waiting and you're waiting. Do you ever ever get a little bit impatient with his perfect timing? I know I have. Just like the people from the Old Testament and the early New Testament were called to, to wait on God and trust him at his perfect timing. Trust him at his word and and, and wait with eager expectation. And Hebrews 10.23 tells us to, to hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, without being impatient. For he who promised is faithful. Friends, God is faithful. God is trustworthy. God is sure. God is solid. And God is a firm foundation for our faith. So we can trust him. The Israelites expected God to act. But it happened at exactly the right time in history. It happened at exactly the right time. God's timing and not theirs. And in the same way we're called to to wait with eager expectation for, for God to act and to know that what God promises will happen in his perfect timing, not ours. One thing that we can be sure of is that that God will act and God will follow through on his promises. It may not happen overnight, but it will happen. It won't happen in our timing, but it definitely will happen. The Israelites are expecting these promises to come true. These promises of old, from from long ago, they're expecting these promises to come true. Have a look at verse 72 and 73. Zechariah mentions the covenant that Abraham was given from God. He says, To show mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear. This promise that Abraham was given was 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 given in Genesis chapter 15 and in an extended on in Genesis 17 as well. We see the promise of of Abraham becoming a people where his his descendants would be numerous. Where they would possess the land that they were sojourners in or foreigners in, where they would become a nation and that God would bless them as a nation and the surrounding nations as well. And the best part, that God would be their God. This is just one of the promises that, that, um, Zechariah mentions. And that's verse 15, uh, 5 of, of chapter 15. Look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. So shall your offspring be. And then in verse 76, Zechariah changes the tone of this song. He changes the, the addressment of, of who he is talking to and he talks to the child. And you, child, will be called prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. There's a real parallel here in in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. A voice cries in the wilderness. No, stop. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And there's a sentiment echoed again in Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. These promises were made a long, long time ago. And the Israelites are expecting the the fulfillment of these promises. When we get to the bones of why they are expecting God to To fulfil these promises, it's simply because God has said so. God has said so, and that's why we will wait on the Lord. That's why we will expect Him to act. We are waiting on God to to act and to visit us and to redeem us simply because He has said He will to. But aside from that, it also affects them personally. It affects the Israelites personally to be able to know that God will visit and redeem them. Look at verse 77 with me. To give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. God has promised to do these things and so we will wait. Zechariah, Elizabeth, Mary, the Israelites past and present we will wait with expectation of what God will do the Israelites are expecting God to come and visit them and redeem them have I lost no I'm still there expecting God to to come and visit them and redeem them in a political sort of sense What they're expecting God to come and do is is to come and overthrow their enemies, namely the Romans, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Egyptians, the list goes on of of Israelite enemies, that he would come and restore the the kingdom to Israel in a political sort of way, remove enemies and oppressors and and allow them to tiptoe through the tulips, serving God without fear, in holiness and righteousness all their days. The Israelites are expecting a political Messiah. They're expecting a a kingly rule here on the earth. And they're expecting to be saved from their enemies. But they really don't know who their enemy is. They really don't know who their true enemy is. And reality did not live up to expectation. What they got was not what they expected. They were expecting a kingly rule here on the earth, but, but what they got was a king who would show his great power by being born as a baby in the most humble of circumstances. The Israelites wanted the restoration of the kingdom of Israel and for it to be the glorious kingdom that it once was. But the real revolution was to take place in men's hearts, not throughout the political arena, not throughout the kingdom. It was to take place in men's hearts that, that there would be peace between God and man. You see, before there can be peace between man and man or, or nation and nation, there needed to be peace between God and man first. And so God was able to, to deliver them from their enemies, their spiritual enemies, namely sin and death. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, it says that he, being God, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. We don't realise that we're sitting in darkness when we are. If you're in true darkness, you can't see in front of your face, your hand in front of your face. And if we're living without peace, we, we sometimes don't know it. The, the pursuit of peace or, or the lack of peace can become our new norm. Romans 3.17 says that the way of peace they have not known. This is talking about those in spiritual darkness, those that, that did not know peace, namely peace with God. You see, this is the real reason why the Messiah had to come. Not to restore the kingdom of Israel to its former glory, but to to restore the kingdom of Israel, the nation of Israel, the people, to God. To restore them to God's kingdom. And this is the real reason that we're reminded of, of Christmas. We're reminded of Christ's birth, to... To be reminded that if we have placed Christ at the centre of our lives, if we submit to Him as a kingly rule, we can be delivered from darkness and we can know peace. We can know peace. The K-N-O-W. You see, what the Israelites got was far greater than what they had expected. What they got was far greater than what they had expected. But before we start saying, you know, pointing fingers and saying, oh, those Old Testament believers, they're, they're silly, aren't they? We shouldn't do that because the way that they expect God to move and the way that they wait on God for, for generations and generations requires more faith than, than we sometimes exhibit. To, to wait on God for a long time requires a great deal of faith. And so from our position of, of the fullness of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ being, being our saviour, that Christ has come to reign as king, We must be careful not to diminish the the privilege that we have as Christians. We must be careful not to diminish the fact that we can know we can have salvation, that we can know that we can have peace with God, that we can know that we can have forgiveness of sins and to be removed from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. What a great privilege that is. From this passage this morning, I want us to to learn that we can stand on the promises of God in the same way that Zechariah and Elizabeth and Mary and and all of the Israelites did. That we can stand on the promises that, that God will be with us, that God will return again. Let us expect the return of Jesus. Just as David said in the the mini-sermon this morning, let us not doubt the things that God has said to us concerning the things of the future. Because just as every promise has been fulfilled so far, those promises will be fulfilled also. But let us also learn one more more thing from from Zechariah as well. Don't forget that he was not able to speak for the entirety of his wife's pregnancy. And so if we hear God speak or if we, we know that God is going to act, it's better to listen and to take him at his word, isn't it? William Carey is touted as being the the father of modern day missions and he, he coined this great phrase, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. Let us expect great things from God and all the while attempt great things for God. Let us serve God without fear. Let us serve him in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. But also let us live a balanced life of expecting great things from God while attempting great things for God. We have an awesome privilege at Christmas time where we are able to to almost speak into the lives of those who the rest of the year would not necessarily listen to a religious or a Christian message. We have an excellent privilege at this time to be able to speak to those who are, are possibly sitting in darkness, who don't know peace. It is a privilege, but I don't know who coined this phrase, but with great privilege comes becomes great Responsibility. We have a responsibility to, just as John the Baptist did, to prepare the ways for the Lord. And Zechariah lists out some of the responsibilities that we have from verse 76 to 79. in the way of peace. Friends, we have a great privilege as Christians, but we also have a great responsibility at this time of year to go before the Lord, to expect him to act on our behalf, but to also carry with it the, the, the responsibility of peace telling people about the forgiveness of sins, about salvation, about freedom from darkness and and peace with God. With great privilege comes great responsibility. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father we thank you for these words here this morning of Zechariah's words of and And the expectation that is associated with it. knowing that you have said these things and therefore you will do these things. Lord, let us go forth this morning from this place with a, a great expectation of of the privilege that we have as as Christians, to know forgiveness of sins, to know salvation, to know peace with God to have peace with you. And Lord, help us to understand the, the responsibility that we have of, of telling others about you. Help us to be expectant of of you acting on our behalf and, and going before us and never forsaking us. And Lord, help us to attempt great things for you. Lord, again, we thank you for your word and the the wonderful depth that is in there. And we pray that we might see your glory through this passage. In your name. Amen. Thanks, David and team.